Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. invite you to remain standing in body or in spirit as we hear the word of God. Uh, Today our scripture comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 13. This is verses 44 through 46. This is Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray for your goodness your goodness that is running after us to be present right here, right now, wherever we are. Whether we're in our living room, in a pew, whether we're anxious to hear your word, whether we're reluctant to something, whether we're afraid or filled with joy, Lord, would your goodness just meet us here today? And so, Lord, we strip away all the other things to focus on your truth and your goodness and your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to use a phrase that may offend some of you. Jesus junk. When I worked at Cokesbury Christian Bookstore, which was kind of like the Methodist Mardell's, if you will, um, we had all these wonderful resources, and then we had what we called Jesus junk. These were These toys that every Sunday school teacher who ever taught kids went to go and buy. It was those things that you could get five for a dollar, right? That had something about good Jesus sort of stuff on there. um, And they were guaranteed to last about three seconds, right? In fact, uh, there was a children's ministry that, that we were part of in Tulsa, and the leader of that program, she, that's what she said. She said, you have a three-second guarantee with these toys that you get. If it breaks before three seconds, you can get a new one, but we expect these things to last about that long, right? Because there's something about something that we're given, a, a gift, especially with the kid. They, they get something, and they're so excited about it, and then it breaks, and it can be crushing, right? And we're like, well, sometimes things are just made cheaply right they're just not they're just not made that well they're not built to last or whatever the case may be in fact there's a lot of things in our world that are cheap Um, I had a, a pastor friend who he said one time he went into a store and they had a sign that said good fast cheap pick two it can be good and fast but it won't be cheap it can be good and cheap but it won't be fast and it can be fast and cheap but it won't be good And it seems like everywhere we go that our world continues and continues to offer us stuff that is cheap. Now, one definition of cheap is this, that cheap is something of low value and easily disregarded. It's something that you can live without. It's something that can just be cast aside. It's something that you don't really need. It's something that doesn't have a lot of value. It's five for a dollar. 
But in our world, it's not just the stuff we have that's cheap, but our relationships that we have that are are cheap as well, right? That we can have cheap relationships, relationships that don't last and that have low value. We live in such a transactional world, and we have all had relationships that have ended once we are not able to help them in the way that we once did. They didn't care once we left the company. When the, when the relationship ended, everybody else just moved on. We felt disregarded. We felt that we weren't worth much. We were only wondering that your value is the, what you can do for me next, not what I have done for you before. And in this world that we live in, there's a lot of cheapness. And where there's a lot of cheapness in the world is really what I'm going to call the bad place. And over these next five weeks, we're going to be looking and contrasting the good place versus the bad place. And the bad place is a place in which there's a bunch of cheap stuff, in which there's a lot of cheap relationships. And so as I was uh, thinking about, uh, we met as a staff months ago to, to talk about what is it that we need to hear about as a church? What is it that we need to focus on and do? And we talked about the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he did anything else. The second thing he talked about was money. The first thing was he talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so we thought we really need to prioritize this. Um, But I didn't know for sure exactly how to frame that in a good sermon series, like the kingdom of God. We don't understand kingdoms. And so I was talking to my wife, Heather, um, about this sermon series, and she used one of my favorite phrases because it's one of my favorite TV shows, The Good Place. Now, I don't know if you all have watched The Good Place, but um, it's like it was made for me, all right? So this is why. One is I love The Office and I love Parks and Rec, and so the same people who did The Office and Parks and Rec did The Good Place. And also, it's full of ethical dilemmas and decision-making and all of these kinds of things, Um, religion, philosophy, all that good stuff that I like had it in there. Um, And so I just was like, man, I just absolutely love this show. Um, And so it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, but one of the interesting things they had about in the good place was, uh, so the basic premises of it, when you die, you either go to the good place or you go to the bad place. And so these people wake up and they're in the good place and they said, well, what did we do to get into the good place? How do we get into the good place? That's what we all wonder, right? We all wonder, how do we make it to heaven? What do we need to do? And so they said, well, um, there's lots of theories about ending up into the good place, but really you get points for every good thing or every bad thing that you do in life. And they have this elaborate point system. I want to share some of it with you. I think we have a slide of, of some of the stuff that, that you can see here. But um, so um, this is, uh, so if you, if you stiff a waitress today at lunch, you'll lose 6.83 points, all right? If you overstate your personal connection to a tragedy that has nothing to do with you, you lose 40.57 points. If you root for the Yankees, you lose 99.15 points, all right? Now, it doesn't tell us how many points you lose if you root for Texas or Alabama, Um, but I know, I mean, yesterday I didn't know what to do. Like, who do I cheer for with both of these teams? I don't know. Um, If you commit genocide, pretty atrocious, lose 433,115 points. All right, now there's good things you can do as well. So if you hug a sad friend, you gain 4.98 points. If you help mom with her printer, you gain 60.09 points. And some of you are like, man, I've gained that a few times. 
If you gave out full-size candy bars at Halloween, you can gain 633.59 points. And let's say you end slavery, then you can gain 814,292.09 points. Now we laugh at this, and we think, ah, but really I think when I talk to people out there, this is basically what we think. That if I do more good than I do bad, I'll end up in the good place. And so my goal is to have more sides on this side of the ledger than on this side of the ledger. And we think that it's about what we do to do good into the world and that we'll, if we do enough, we'll end up on the good side. And if we, those people who do worse than us, those people who do those bad things, things we would never do, those red marks, they're going to end up in the bad place. And so what is life about? And how do we get into the good place? How do we experience the good life? Is the good life even possible? Now, one of the things that I think is so important for us to understand about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God is this, is that heaven is not just a destination that we go to. It's a reality that we can experience now. Jesus talked again and again and again about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And he was not talking about what you get to do later when you die. He was saying right here, right now. You can experience the fullness of God's presence and goodness here and now. It's not just something later. It's something here in our reality. And he talked about it. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And his disciples experienced the reality of the kingdom of God in the midst of a fallen world. And this is what Jesus, more so than anything else that he talked about, he wants us to understand the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. This is the good place. And the good place is available to you and to me right here where we are. The good place is where God rules in us and God rules through us. It's an experience that we get to live. Yes, I do believe that there is a, there is a place with no more sorrow and no more tears when we die. But I believe that eternal life begins the moment that we say yes to God and we can experience his goodness in the bad place, which often the world is. We can experience his kingdom right here today. Now, um, one of the books that I'm reading is a book by a, a guy named Dallas Willard um, called The Divine Conspiracy. If you're a reader and you want to read it, it's a great book. He says tough about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God uh, just with such depth. It's just a great, great book. I highly recommend it to you. But he talks about the fact that we don't really understand a kingdom. Um, now, we have had more talk about kingdom over the past week because we there's a new king on the other side of the pond um, than we have recently. But really what he says is that God's kingdom is the range of his effective will. Where God's will gets done is where God's kingdom is. And he says that you and I have a kingdom as well. So I'm going to invite you. I want you to raise your right hand. All right? Raise your right hand. All right? Now, most of you raised your right hand. A few of you raised your left hand. And a few of you are like, I ain't going to raise any hand. You can put your hands down. All right? But I just showed that I have a kingdom. I told you to do something, and you did it. All right? My kingdom, my range of my effective will happened. Did it happen perfectly? No. It never does. But we are able to do things. Now, if I was to tell you all to get up and move seats, my kingdom would be a lot less smaller. It would be a lot smaller, right? You're like, I ain't going to do that, all right? I'll raise my hand, Aaron, but that's enough, all right? We're Methodist, all right? So I just raised it this far. 
right? So you have the ability to get your will done. Sometimes when you have a family decision about where you're going to go to dinner, the place you want to go to, you go to. Other times, your kingdom is not done, right? Sometimes the job you want, you get. Sometimes the relationship, the, the person you want to see and hang out with, you get to see and hang out with. Sometimes you invite somebody to something and they say, yes, you're, you're, you have a will. You have an effective will that gets done. We all have a kingdom. And God's kingdom is a place where his will is done. Now, one of the things we did earlier today is we prayed that Lord's Prayer. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what Jesus came for, is not for us to get to heaven, but he came for us to bring heaven to earth. This is what he did. And he says that the good life, the good place is possible now. And that we can experience it and we can live in a place that is precious, that is valuable, and that is worthy instead of a world that is cheap. And in the bad place, cheap reigns. And we've all experienced that. But for in the good place, we get to hear a different story. Let's go to our scripture. And it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. This, Jesus is telling the story so that we can get it what it's like to be in his kingdom. So imagine this story, if you will, right? So there's this guy, and he's digging in somebody's field. Now, it doesn't tell us why. One of the things I do sometimes when I read scripture is I ask weird questions, like why was he just digging in somebody's field? But that's really not the point of the story. So let me get back on track. So the point of the story is that the man was digging, and he found something. And when he opened it up, he found this treasure. And he thought he knew that it was valuable. He knew that it was worthy. He knew that he needed that more than anything else in the world. So he covered it back up. He covered the field. And he goes to the guy who owns the property. And he says, how much for your field? And the guy tells him the price. And he says, okay. And so he goes back home and he, and he sells his car. He goes back and he sells that boat that hasn't been working for a couple years anyways. He sells those pairs of shoes that he doesn't need anymore. He sells everything he has, and he, he goes back to the guy, and he, he says, here you go. And the guy thought, man, what a fool. You have no idea what you're buying. It's not worth that. But he did it so that he could get the field, and he could get the treasure because he knew what was precious. Now, if, if to live in the world, the bad place is about cheap, something of low value and easily disregarded, the good place is where there are things that are precious, of immeasurable value and high regard. And he knew that this treasure that he was finding and that he was discovering was worth everything that he could do. And it was worth everything that he, that he needed. He needed it to thrive and to live. And what Jesus says are these words, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, whatever it is that you treasure, that you love, that is what is precious to you, right? If you've seen the Lord of the Rings, my precious. He does anything he could to get the ring of power. It has a hold of it. But that is what sometimes we do with ourselves and with the way that we live our lives is that we have a possession that really possesses us. We, we, we chase status. We chase success. We chase fame. We chase fortune. We chase money. We chase these temporary cheap relationships 
instead of the thing that matters most. Jesus, the kingdom of God, and his will being done. What you treasure is what you spend your resources, your time, your money, your energy, and your emotions on. And are you treasuring the right things? Am I treasuring the right things? Am I giving up everything in order to get what is most important? Do my, am I living my life with the things that are precious to me? Because living in the kingdom of God is worth everything else. Now, there was a man who came to Jesus one time. Scripture tells us that he was a rich, young ruler, right? This is what everybody wants, to be rich, to have all the money so you don't have to worry about things, to be young, to have your health, to have your youth, to be a ruler, to have power, to get the opportunity that if you tell people to raise their hands, they'll actually do it, right? And so he goes to, he goes to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's the good place? And how do I have it? Jesus said, obey the commandments. And he says, oh, I've done all these since I've been young. The rich, young ruler who had followed all the rules. And he, he said, like, is that it? And Jesus said, one more thing. Sell everything you own and then come follow me. And it says that the man went away sad because he had many possessions. And these things that he was holding on to him were dragging him down because he couldn't pursue what was most important. And how much of our lives do we spend not being able to pursue what is most important because we are dragged down by so many things? I had a recent conversation with a, a gentleman, and, um, and, and what he wanted to do was to provide for his family. And so he ended up working at three different jobs. And, and now recently, his, his spouse has um, said, I want a divorce. And he's like, I did everything that I thought I could do. And he, he wasn't at the place where he could see that what she needed and what his family needed was him. Not him working, but him. But how often do we spend all of our time over here when there's something good that's right in front of us? When there's something to cherish, the good stuff in life. Now, because I made Reuben sing some Western songs, I need to give you all a little country song as well. So you all know with Western Days Weekend, i got to have a 90s country reference. So I'm going to tell you about a Kenny Chesney song. No, it's not She Thinks My Tractor Sexy. It's a whole other song, all right? It's called The Good Stuff. I don't know if you all remember this, but it's called The Good Stuff. Let me share some of the lyrics with you. So it starts like this way. What a great country. This is like a great country song beginning. Well, me and my lady had our first big fight. So I drove around till I saw the neon light of a corner bar and it just seemed right so I pulled up not a soul around but the old barkeep down at the end and looking half asleep but he walked up and said what'll it be I said the good stuff he didn't reach around for the whiskey he didn't pour me a beer his blue eyes kind of went misty he said you can't find that here because it's the first long kiss on a second date mama's all worried when you get home late and dropping the ring in the spaghetti plate because your hands are shaking so much. It's the way that she looks with the rice in her hair, eating burnt suppers that whole first year, and asking for seconds to keep her from tearing up. Yeah, man, that's the good stuff. Now, how often in life do we pursue all those other things when we miss the good stuff that's right in front of us? One of my joys that I get to do is I get to marry couples um, 
and, and, and in that, I, I often will go over the vows and I'll say, well, what does this mean? Because when you're standing up there shaking, holding somebody's hand, you're a little nervous and you don't remember what you're saying. But one of the things in there that we say is that we say to love and to cherish. And I, and I say, so what does it mean to cherish? Right? And they use words like precious, special, protect, keep. To hold on tight to those things that are of most important and this is the good stuff it's to cherish each other it's to cherish life and to cherish God now so often in our life what we expect and what we want are two different things and so often in life it's hard to really live in the good place because we want things that we hold on to and the kingdom of God most of the time is something that can't be grasped we cannot hold on to it so as your pastor I want to be clear that I want you to live in the good place. And the good place is the place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is the good place. But as a human, I want the things I can hold on to. I want security, right? I want everybody to be happy. I want life to go well all the time. I don't want the struggles. I don't want the heartache. But to love means you grieve. To care means you walk with people in muddiness. And it's hard because we want the things we can hold on to. The great job, the great homes, the great cars, the great shoes. But the good stuff is not found in any of that. It's found in a home of love no matter what. Joy, being content no matter what the circumstances are. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of wholeness. Patience. I know it's hard. I took a while just saying that because some of you are like, Aaron, get on with it. Goodness, the true goodness of life. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the good stuff of life. And it's what we should treasure. But instead, we pursue all these things that are cheap and that will die and that will end and that will be thrown away. I mean, how many of us have gotten something we thought would be exactly what we wanted and we ended up disregarding it. It was no longer precious or important. You know, one of the things that I remember when I was in high school, we had a tornado came, was coming by and so we had to go to our neighbor cellar. I've told this story before in here, but you know, I grabbed what was most precious to me at the time. My Michael Jordan sports card collection. that has been sitting in the attic for decades now. The things that you hold on to that's most important that you'll take down to the storm shelter, one day is something you'll easily disregard the next. But the kingdom of heaven is forever. And God's presence and goodness is always going to be there for you no matter what. Life is hard and it's challenging, but God is good. And it's worth pursuing everything for. Because you never know when the tragedy will hit. You never know when life is going to fall apart, but if you're holding on to God, you can be held together. And that's the good stuff. And it's worth everything. Now, last week I was at a family reunion, and part of our family reunion is that we have family worship together. I think I have a cousin. I think he has six kids. There's just so many of them I don't know anymore. Um, and I got another one who has four, So um, and, uh, and so we... 
Um, we, we have this family worship. It's pretty sweet. And I, I shared this story. Micah, can you grab me the Jesus Storybook Bible and bring it up to me since I forgot to bring it up? And so I, I shared this story last week, but it was so good that I, I wanted to share it with you because in this scripture, um, he tells about this same story that we just heard. He shares in here, and I forgot to put my bookmark in the right place, so you'll have to forgive me while I look it up. Oh, two fifty. Oh, yeah, the numbers on the screen, two fifty. Yeah, y'all are like, yeah, that would have been the smart thing. I could have done it, but it's called Treasure Hunt. And so let me read this story for you. Y'all are good, all right? Because we give it all. We should orient our life around what it is that God promises for us. But there's a big why at the end. One day, Jesus was telling people about God's kingdom. God's kingdom is wherever God is king, Jesus told them. It's wherever God is in charge. It's wherever he fills your heart up with his forever happiness and you stop running away from him and you love him. But sometimes people can understand things very well. So Jesus helped them by telling stories called parables. Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a hidden treasure. And then he told him this story. Once upon a time, there was a man working in a field, digging. So there he is digging. But what he doesn't know is that in the field, there is a buried treasure. So dig, 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 clink, clank, clunk. Uh-oh, his shovel bumps into something hard. Hello, what's this? He picks it up, dusts it off. It's a chest. It's rusted and locked, but creak. He pries it open. What he sees inside takes his breath away. Beautiful, glittering, gleaming, twinkling, sparkling, precious jewels. It's a treasure chest. He wants that treasure. He needs to get that treasure. He must have that treasure somehow, even if he has to sell everything he has so he can pay for it. He quickly buries the treasure again, runs home and sells everything he has. He takes the money from the sale and goes and buys that field. Now he owns the field and the treasure that is buried in it. He runs back and digs up the treasure again. Jesus said, coming home to God is as wonderful as finding a treasure. You might have to dig before you find it. You might have to look before you see it. You might even have to give up everything to get it. But being where God is, being in his kingdom, that's more important than anything else in all the world. It's worth anything you have to give up, Jesus told them, because God is a real treasure. Now hear this. God had a treasure too, of course. A treasure that was lost long, long ago. What was God's treasure? His most important thing, the thing God loved best in all the world? God's treasure was his children. It was why Jesus had come into the world to find God's treasure and pay the price to win them back. And Jesus would do it, even if it cost him everything he had. You see, my friends, not only are we to pursue God's treasure and God's kingdom, but we are God's treasure. Jesus paid it all. He gave his life. He sacrificed himself. He gave up the comforts of heaven. We have a hard time giving up the comforts of our lazy boy so that we could experience life and love and let healing and wholeness and mercy pour forth. You are God's treasure. And Jesus paid it all. He gave up everything so that he could buy the field, which includes you and I, so that we could experience true life abundant life 
and amazing love. You are God's treasured ones. And because he gave it all for you, we are called to follow him and to give up all of what we have so that we can be with him. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.